Hey everyone, this is Matt Hardman, and you are listening to the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio. Uh, thank you for joining in. Thank you for your support. And for those of you who donate to Patreon, thank you for that. And we will have a new episode coming up on Patreon very soon. As you can tell, it's been about a week and a half, almost two weeks since our last episode dropped. We've had a lot go on. We had a lot going on in the sport. I've had a lot going on with my job and whatnot. So it's kind of been hard to record. So I'm going to kind of compress everything into one show. We got some racing to talk about with Martinsville and the four races at Homestead this past weekend, and we have Talladega coming up this weekend. We also have the issues with the issue of what's going on in America and how it relates to NASCAR. The All-Star Race and what's going on with that, and the Hall of Fame vote. So let's get to it. First up, we have five races to cover. We have Martinsville, which saw Martin Truex Jr. pick up his first win of the season, his first win without crew chief Cole Pern in many years. After that race, we moved on to Homestead. Which saw two doubleheaders, um, the Xfinity and the trucks on Saturday, and for an encore, the Xfinity and the Cup guys on Sunday. Saturday featured Kyle Busch extending his all time wins list uh, stat, patting those stats there with yet another win. Then, Harrison Burton finishing out Saturday, picking up a win in the Xfinity Series. Then we move on to Sunday with Chase Briscoe, picking up his third win of the season. Not to be outdone, Denny Hamlin on the cup side picks up his third win of the season, and his 40th career total win in the cup series. So, with all that going on, we had... What's been going on in America involving Black Lives Matter? Uh, as I said in the last episode, we had Bubba Wallace running a Black Lives Matter car, a car without sponsorship, just with the message of Black Lives Matter and about unity and understanding. Prior to that race, there was the the video message made by many of the drivers. That was actually spearheaded, the idea for it was spearheaded by Bubba and Jimmy Johnson. And NASCAR really had no input in it, neither did Fox. The drivers did this on their own, which caught a lot of media attention. Um, Obviously Bubba's going to get a lot of media attention and kind of been the... The flag bearer role 
of equality in the sport and was asked on one of the morning talk shows about various racial issues in the sport and one of them that came up was the confederate flag to which Bubba replied that the confederate flag needs to be removed from all the tracks and NASCAR to their credit had listened to what Bubba had to say and as of last Wednesday had banned the confederate flag at any of its tracks and any of its properties uh, if you're flying a confederate flag in the infield or wherever you'll be asked to take it down um, most of the time they'll swap it out with an American flag or a flag of your favorite driver and if you refuse then you'll be asked to leave um, the track and if that's still an issue then you'll be removed from the track and possibly have trespass charges against you they're taking this pretty seriously it's not the first time that they that they've gone towards this direction as Early as the 80s, they've tried to distance themselves from the from the flag that's become a symbol of hatred now in this country. Um, and it has been for many years, uh, going back to the 1980 when Darlington started to remove the Confederate flag from their program covers to 1993 where they banned a Sons of Confederation car uh, from taking the track. And even in 2009, where NASCAR's sister company, International ISC, had refused to let a driver from another sanctioning body run the car on their track, a deal between the team and the Sons of Confederation had... Excuse me. They had uh, worked out a deal where they would run at a standalone track without any NASCAR involvement. Um, that series later, just days before the race, would make the same announcement that the sponsorship would not run due to the message that it had. And even in 2015, would they discourage fans from bringing the American flag and had uh, Confederate flag? Sorry and had actually offered fans who would bring the flag um, they would offer them to swap it for another flag of their favorite driver or of the American flag but this has been the most direct way to solve the issue and it will say it hasn't gone without controversy as truck series driver Ray Cicerelli had gone on to a tirade on Facebook that same day and announced that he is done with the sport to the quote unquote the political BS and although he doesn't stand that he is not a fan of the flag uh, he stands for the fact that some people do believe in that flag and this and that. 
um, basically putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, he has gone on to say that his family's been harassed over these comments and such and such. And basically, this guy is just trying to make a name out of, for himself out of the controversy and is now playing the victim. Um, as I said to somebody, if if he was really offended by the way NASCAR is going, then he wouldn't show up for any of the races this year. He wouldn't bring, bring his trucks. He wouldn't do anything. He'd just leave, say, you know what, I'm done. But his post says that he would be done at the end of the 2020 season. Uh, personally, if that's the way he's going to be, I'd like to see him done now. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. NASCAR doesn't need that. They want to be welcoming to all fans, no matter the gender, race, ethnicity. They they want to be seen as a as a broad sport. And I know people from all ethnicities who are fans. So let's welcome them in and not exclude them because of a flag or because of ignorance. So, without really getting on my soapbox. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm not going to get on my soapbox on, on the topic. Uh, for those of you who know me, you know how to reach out to me and how I feel. Um, I will say... Bubba Wallace has actually done a great job, in my opinion, of how he's handled the pressure to having this media spotlight on him, which in some eyes is kind of taken away from him as a driver and become more of an ambassador. And to be honest, he's actually having a pretty good season uh, given the equipment that he is in um, while the car still has the famous 43 on it and is partially owned by Richard Petty. It's certainly not the STP uh, machines that won 200 races in the late 20th century. So, moving on. We have the news of the All-Star Race moving for the first time in 35 years from Charlotte Motor Speedway to Bristol, Tennessee. And Bristol will host the All-Star Race with 30,000 fans. Uh, the track normally holds over 100,000 plus fans. It will hold 30,000 fans for this All-Star Race and not only that, it will be the first race where they experiment with moving the numbers on the car and opening up the space under the door for, uh, for sponsors. So it'll be something that, you, that we normally see in the V8 supercars, the ASA series that tried this for a while. The K&N series had tried this for a while.
doing this, and it's become another hot button issue. Uh, not to the extent of the Black Lives Matter movement in the top parts of the series, but this has been making rounds uh, with a lot of fans who are up in arms about it. Uh, I listened to Dale Jr.'s take on his show, and I agree with him that the numbers should stay the same if they're going to try it, just move them back slightly so you can put some sponsorship there. But I know sponsorship dollars are what drives the sport, so, you know, we'll, it's a wait and see. And NASCAR's been very receptive over this. Steve O'Donnell's been listening to, to fan reactions through social media. So, if this doesn't work, we'll be going back to numbers below the doors the way it's been for many years. If it works, it'll be something new and different. And we may see it by the time the Gen 7 car rolls around in 2022, it looks like. So, another thing about the All-Star Race, as I said, it's been the first time in 35 years that only one other track has held the All-Star Race, and that is Atlanta in 1986, uh, before moving back to Charlotte with the infamous Pass in the Grass, and where it's been ever since. So, that, that's something to look forward to. I think it's going to be a very unique all-star race, as Bristol always puts on exciting racing, especially if you go back to cup races in the late, 80, the late 90s, early 2000s. They were certainly ex explosive in more ways than one. And with the amount of money that the all-star race gives to the winner and no points on the line you're definitely going to see a lot of beating and banging so moving on we have due to the coronavirus the vote for the NASCAR Hall of Fame was moved back uh, just this past Tuesday they had announced the winners well not the winners but they announced the inductees for the 2021 uh, Hall of Fame. So going in, you had three drivers, well, two contributors from the modern era, which is from 1971 to present. You had the Pioneer Ballot, which was from the induction of the sport to 1970. Then you had the Landmark Award, which is separate, which is separate entity, but also is acknowledged in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the nominees that were for starting with the Landmark Award were Ralph Seagraves, who was the, the man behind bringing the Winston Cigarettes sponsorship to NASCAR in the early 70s would bring them into the sport in 1971. 
which helped streamline the sport and make it very marketable and would make it what it is today. Janet Guthrie, who became the first female to run both the World 600 and the Indianapolis 500. Alvin Hawkins, who, I'll be honest, is the only name on this list I'm not familiar with. Mike Helton, uh, the former president of NASCAR, uh, oversaw a lot of stuff in the sport in the late, 80, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Before stepping back and taking a kind of an advisory role uh, for, to Steve Phelps and Steve O'Donnell and Dr. Joe Matoli, uh, who was the man behind the building of Pocono Speedway, uh, Pocono, which had a lot of help and whatnot from the France family. And would bring NASCAR racing along with IndyCar to the Northeast, to the Tri-State area. Uh, especially when you think that it, it, Pocono is only about an hour and a half, less than two hours from Manhattan. It's a very, very big thing for that. Then we had the Pioneer Ballot, which I said was from... The inception of NASCAR all the way through till 1970. The names on that list were Jake Elder, the multi-time winning crew chief. Banjo Matthews, uh, car owner and legendary uh, chassis builder. Won, his cars won many races in the early years of NASCAR. Herschel McGriff, the ageless wonder, who just as of last year was competing at the age of 90 in the West, the the and West Series, was a former Winston West Series champion, multi-time champion, and I believe is the only living uh, driver from the very first. Southern 500. Don't quote me on that, but I believe he is. And speaking of Ageless Wonders, Red Farmer, uh, two-time late model sportsman series champion in the early years of NASCAR. Member of the Alabama gang and very close with Bobby Allison, and a mentor to the late, great Hall of Famer, Davey Allison. And Ralph Moody, one half of the Holman Moody uh, team, and uh, which was a, a Ford factory team. Holman Moody was responsible for such drivers as David Pearson and his championship seasons along with A.J. Foyt, Al Lunter, Dan Gurney, many, many others, um, Fred Lorenzen, many drivers who are in multiple Hall of Fames throughout the U.S. 
And then on the modern era ballot, you had names like Harry Gant, uh, Mr. September, won seven races in a row, split between the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series in the month of September in 1991, uh, and is still currently the oldest winner in Cup Series history. You also had Neil Bonnet, multi-time winner uh, and broadcaster who lost his life uh, preparing and preparing to qualify for the 1994 Daytona 500. You have Jeff Burton, multi-time winner, multi-time Southern 500 champion and broadcaster. Carl Edwards, Xfinity champion. Two-time runner-up for the Cup Series title, who I think would still be winning races today had he not abruptly retired. Harry Hyde, multi-time winner as a crew chief in the Cup Series and was the basis of Robert Duvall's character Harry Hogg in the movie Days of Thunder. Larry Phillips multi-time Winston Racing Series champion, uh, legend on the short tracks of, in the Midwest, and had been the, the main rival for many drivers who had come out of that area. Uh, the, Russ, the Wallace family, Ken Schrader, the late Alan Kowicki, and many others. Ricky Rudd, multi-time race winner, uh, 1997, I apologize, 1997 Brickyard 400 winner, runner-up for the 1991 Cup Series Championship, and for a long time was the sports Ironman, uh, had not missed a race in many, many years. Currently, I think that record is still held by Jeff Gordon, who just retired a few years ago, and Kirk Shelmerdine. Uh, Four-time Cup Series champion, uh, won those in 1986, 87, 90, and 91 as crew chief for the Flying Aces of Richard Childress Racing and Dale Earnhardt. Two other names are, one of them goes without saying, uh, first off is Mike Stefanik, nine-time NASCAR's Touring Series Champion uh, is tied for the all-time record for Series Championships with the Hall of Famer himself, uh, the late Richie Evans. And Stefanik is only one of two drivers to actually win titles in two series concurrently, and he'd done that twice in 1997 and 1998 as he won modified titles in back-to-back -back years along with running and winning the Bush North Series title which is now the Canon East Series won those back-to-back -back in concurrent years so it's four titles in two years uh, he has seven modified championships and was rookie of the year in the truck series in 1999 uh, Stefanik, who had passed away last year in a 
plane crash en route to a race is Stefanik's been a driver that I have been advocating for years. I didn't when I started following the modifieds in the E series I was not a Stefanik fan, but his driving style won me over and I've been a big advocate for him to be in this Hall of Fame. I can't think of another driver or person who I've been an advocate for uh, getting in besides Stefanik. And the last one goes without saying, it's a gentleman who has two Xfinity titles, two Daytona 500s, 50 wins split between the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, uh, the 2000 All Winston All-Star Race winner, and he is now an announcer, has all multimedia uh, company is a two-time two-time Bush Series champion co-owner and has won the series title something like five more times as a full-blown owner a man who transcends racing into pop culture uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. will be joining his father, Dale Earnhardt Sr., in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jr. would get 76% of the vote. And I know a lot of people were saying that Jr. did not belong in. His stats alone are good. Two Daytona 500 wins. You, you can't spit on that. 26 wins in the Cup Series. Then you look at what he'd done in the Xfinity Series, two championships there, 24 wins. Uh, had just run Homestead in his one race of the year and finished fifth. He he certainly has the, the, you know, what he's done as an owner with all those championships and drivers that he has brought up into the sport who are superstars. You look at Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. Just, just for two examples, uh, Chase Elliott, who is certainly the most popular driver in the garage, and Martin Truex Jr., who is had won the 2017 championship. Uh, those are just two of the successes he has, and he continues to groom new talent year after year. Uh, so he he most certainly is, and he's been a huge ambassador to the sport. Um, and you can tell that this man just has absolute love for the sport. Uh, he grew up in it. He, the sport means everything to him. So it, it's really nice to see them give that same acknowledgement, that same love back to him. So there is not one wrong vote in my opinion. Oh, I forgot to mention the, the landmark award winner. Uh, that was actually Ralph Seagraves, who is very deserving as well. Uh, so, I think I picked when I when I said this um, on a long time back podcast when they announced the names. I my picks were Junior Stefanik, Banjo Matthews, and. 
Ralph Seagrave, so I picked Banjo over Farmer, but other than that, I nailed this all. So, uh, you know, some other quick stuff to, to talk about, you know, I'm not going to get into it on this week's show because it's still kind of unfolding and we'll see how it plays out this weekend. But there's been a long-standing feud between Corey LaJoy and Denny Hamlin. And it apparently it came to a head. I The other reason why I'm not covering this is because I actually want to hear from uh, Corey LaJoy on his podcast about all this. But it started off as a Twitter feud during iRacing and had actually escalated to the point where Hamlin was sending messages to LaJoy and LaJoy's team saying that he will wreck them out at the next race to the point where NASCAR actually had to step in between the two drivers and yeah that was that was a pretty uh when it gets to the point where you're being accused of premeditating premeditating to wreck out another car there's some serious consequences <sighs> but we'll talk about that we got a we'll talk about ace speedway because to be honest i've got a lot i got on my plate right now and to sit here and i'll be able to record for like two hours if I had the time but I do not so I'm unfortunately cutting this one brief today but we'll talk about East Speedway uh, how they were able to get around their ban and what's been the fallout and they they had they had some little tussles down there in their actual race, not not including, you know, what's going on with the track and how they're fighting with the governor of North Carolina. Uh, it's going to be very interesting because I believe that they're scheduled for a race this weekend. Whether it goes on or not at a speedway has yet to be determined. Um, got a, a special, special announcement for fans of the show and fans who are on Patreon um, for long time listeners I would do Car Wars which would com compare two drivers and see which one statistically was the better driver um, I'm going to do something a little different on the Patreon episode where I am going to look at the stats of one Rob Moroso the driver who won the 1990 Rookie of the Year in the Cup Series posthumously. Uh, I know he's been a controversial figure uh, because of how he passed. But we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of that. But we'll look at his 1990 stats and see, did, did this young man from Connecticut really live up to the hype? surrounding him was he the original wonder boy uh, prior to Jeff Gordon so we'll talk about that car wars will be returning next week on our regular episode uh, where we battle out to see who was 
the better Labonte, Terry or Bobby. So stay tuned for that. Um, stay tuned for other fun announcements. And if you haven't yet, check out Patreon, CKCC Radio, where you can not only find some of our Patreon episodes on here, but you can also find Patreon episodes for Jeff Trelowitz in his Ranking Tracks show, where he ranks, where he takes an album and he ranks all the songs on it. In the Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk, where they go a lot more in depth than they do on their free show, they go a lot more in depth on pay per views and other other things they have watch alongs all sorts of cool stuff uh it's definitely worth it it only costs five dollars a month to start with patreon and the perks go up with each tier uh fifteen dollars actually gets you a spot on the club kayfabe wrestle talk as a guest host for the week so check them out support ckcc radio not just this show but all the shows on it. There's some really good ones. I personally, besides the the Wrestle Talk, I've been listening to United We Fan, which is their nerd cast. I, I think that's really good. And, and Jeff with his uh, ranking tracks. Uh, personally, I loved the episode where he ranked Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. So... Anyway, we got a, we got a pop quiz to answer, and it was which former. Oh, I forgot the question now. Wow. I believe it was which former IndyCar owner was once suspected by the FBI to be DB Cooper, and that was Dick Simon. If that wasn't the question, then the question was what former. American racing legend started as a team was a teammate to Dale Earnhardt in the inaugural race of the 1980 season and that was Dan Gurney so no matter which version of the show that you listen to I covered both pop quiz those questions on that note it is very early on Saturday morning so we have a, the Xfinity race later today, along with the ARCA race. And tomorrow we have the Cup race, which will actually see fans in the stands. Homestead did fans in the stands uh, from the military base next to the track. But this will actually see fans in the stands. It will be nice to finally see that. Anyway, I'm your host, Matt Hardman. And... I will see you next week right here on CKCC Radio. Bye.